Hi, this is Angie Meadows, and this is The Rocker Recovery. Uh, nice to see you again. This is Lesson 8, A Dish Rag versus steel. So last time we talked about anxiety versus resting, and we talked about how to get into the Psalms and, and figure out how David did this. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to work through one of David's Psalms, and I'm going to show you exactly how David changed his thinking. So let's get started. Let's see if we can screen share. If you guys are on the YouTube, you'll be able to see um, the PDF. If not, you can get on the website enablersjourney.com and you can print off the PDF. You can print as many copies as you like for your groups. Uh, they're just not to be uh, published or sold uh, in any way. So uh, let's get started. The introduction. There is a mentality that repeats itself over and over again without resolution. And that's what we've been talking about, the anxiety that just kind of keeps us on that hamster wheel. It never really goes anywhere. There is no thinking through it. And, and you can think about it all day. You can think about it all week, all month, all year. You could be stuck for 10 years in the same problem about what somebody did to you when you were 10 that you can't get through or get over. And there is no resolution with that. You just got to let it go. So this makes you feel like a wet dish rag. And when you're this wet dish rag, you're like this sponge, you're just soaking up all the spills of all the good and the bad. So one moment you're very happy and the next moment you're like, man, I'm in, I'm in the deep dark valley again. How'd I get here? I was so happy an hour ago. And so this is a time to learn and to discern what you will allow in your mind and what you will not allow to control you. Um, other than the truth of God's word and right thinking. That's what we want to control us. That's what we want to allow uh, to perfect our thinking. So then we can become like steel. So Jeremiah, it's so funny. Jeremiah is hysterical. He's called the crying prophet in the Old Testament. And he's just crying over all these horrible things everybody's doing and how no one will listen to him. And they've thrown him down into a pit, probably that's got sewer in it. And he's like, Lord, look what they're doing to me. So Jeremiah is complaining to the Lord and he's calling him a liar. Now, that's pretty bold to call God a liar, but I've probably done that. I've probably said, Lord, where are you? I, I need you. I can't find you. And he's correct. And the Lord corrects the prophet Jeremiah, and then he instructs him what to do. And he says, do not align yourself with the unbeliever, but realign yourself with me. And then I will make you my prophet, my mouthpiece, and you will be like this fortified brazen wall. So in Jeremiah 15, 18 through 20, Jeremiah is speaking to God and he says, why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuses to be healed? Will you be altogether unto me a liar and as waters that fail? Therefore, this says the Lord, if you return, then I will bring you again and you shall stand before me. And if you take what is precious or what is worthy from what is vile or what is unworthy, then you will be my mouth and I will make you unto this people like a fenced brazen wall for I am with you and I will deliver you. I will rescue you, says the Lord. So 
the God's making him a promise. And as you read all through this chapter 15, you'll find out that God didn't, God's telling him, I, I didn't tell you, you, you were going to have, uh, you know, candy and ice cream and peaches and cream. And, and it was going to be like Hollywood. I didn't tell you that. I didn't tell you everything was going to be smooth. I told you, you were going to be my mouthpiece. I told you I was going to be with you, that I was going to strengthen you. That's what I told you. So, so don't align yourself with those that are wicked and the word wicked here means unbelievers. So don't align yourself with anxiety, with fear, with stress, with worry. But come back over here to this confidence and this trusting and this resting in the Lord. Totally two opposite ends of the spectrum. So let's see how we can do this. So the lesson today is identify and correct your attitudes and unbelief. Separate what is precious, what is worthy in your life when, from that which is vile. And you can be looking at any person and we're both going to, each person's going to be two-sided. We're both going to have this part of us that's vile and ugly that we're fighting and wrestling with. And then we're going to have this beautiful, worthy side. So a lot of times when I'm uh, helping people and mentoring people and loving on people, I get both sides in the same day, <laughs> one breath right after the other. And so what I want to do is I want to love on them when they're being precious and worthy. And then when they're spewing uh, anger or or accusations or manipulations at me, I want to reject that and say, no, we don't talk like that around here. No, I'm not going there today. No, we've already been around this bush and we can't resolve that. Now let's move on. So here it is. Um, we're going to go through what it looks like to be a dish rag. And just mentally in your mind, I want you to kind of check off which ones of these that you have so you'll know which side of this wall that you're setting on. So a dish rag is emotionally tossed. It's tossed to and fro, kind of like in a uh, in a ship that's in a storm. He's wrestling with his circumstances. He's double-minded. One day he wants this, next day he doesn't want it. He's got people's strongholds. Now, a people's stronghold means other people control you. They tell you where to go, what to do, when to get up, when to go to bed, what to think. I mean, how many people are telling us what to think? So they've got people's strongholds. They've got fear and dread, confusion, sorrow and hurting. They're empty inside. They feel empty right here. They've got trust issues. And I have rarely met a person, even in recovery with addiction, that does not have trust issues. And so that's another thing at, at another time that we'll start working on is how to trust, how to build trust, how to find safe people to trust, and, and knowing how to move forward in relationships to be able to rebuild trust that's been broken. And we want to uh, realize that restlessness and being faint-hearted is like that dish rag. And faint-hearted just means we just give up too easy. You know, we're struggling with all this stuff on this side and we've been fighting with this dish rag mentality and we can't move past it. And so we just give up. We're just like, man, I'm never going to make this. But instead, what I want you to do today is I want you to be developmentally, emotionally mature and strong and i want you to choose to think thoughts that are bigger than you now let's see what it looks like to be like still i'm going to be quiet and very still very calm like a quiet like a quiet lake very calm very still still i'm going to have assurance in the future i'm going to be peaceful i'm going to be content I'm going to be joyful in trials. I'm going to know that those trials and tribulations and, and persecutions and afflictions and sufferings that are coming uh, towards me, that I can uh, keep my eyes off of them. I can, I can work on them. I can change what I can change. And I can let go of what I can't uh, fix. But I can keep my eyes on, 
on a future, on, on a bright hope, on, on the goals that I have for my life. I can be full of love. I can be humble and abiding in Christ. I can be secure, hopeful, and steadfast. And steadfast just means I'm steady, I'm balanced. Nobody's rocking me to and fro. Nobody's setting me out of balance or making me um, breaking my heart over and over and over again. And, and so what we have to do, there's that scripture in uh, Proverbs 4.23. We've probably talked about it before. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. So you have to protect your heart. So it's okay to build some walls against uh, around your heart against some people that have hurt you before and make them earn the right to come back into your life and to be trusted. So let's see, where is our focus? Detached from the temporary earthly focus and attached to an eternal godly focus. This is intentional. This is something that we intentionally do. It doesn't come easy. We must wrestle our thoughts and choose which ones are beneficial for us to think and which ones are not and reject the thoughts that cause our suffering. If we focus on the temporary, we will travail and have we will have travail and vexation if we focus on what's really important for eternity then we'll have the quiet heart that's ecclesiastes 4 7 that was written by solomon the psalmist starts many psalms with his feelings and he just unloads his troubles on the lord and frequently he's complaining and he's asking god where are you lord and then he remembers who he's talking to oh yeah talking to the great God of the universe, the one who created me, who one who created this world. Oh yeah. So then he settles himself down and he changes from this wet dish rag mentality of wrestling with his own internal anguish. And, and he turns into a faithfulness and a hopeful uh, servant of the Lord. And this is how he does it. He says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. That's in Psalm 16:8. So he shifts his focus from the temporary things that he cannot control, and he focuses on the eternal goodness of God. One of these days, we'll do a lesson on the goodness of God. So the exercise is here, as you read through the Psalms, note the behaviors or the negative circumstances of the people around the psalmist. Identify feelings the psalmist experiences and the thoughts the psalmist always allows himself to think. He speaks to himself until he changes his feelings into a solid foundation of truth of the attributes of God. So here it is in Psalm 16. Now, only thing I have done is I've taken each verse and I've pulled one thought out of it, one main thought out of each verse. So in Psalms 16, the psalmist David's thoughts. Now, I pulled out all of his thoughts from this Psalms, and here they are. God keeps me safe. God is my refuge. You are my Lord. Apart from you, Lord, I have no good thing. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my cup. The Lord makes me secure. The Lord places me in pleasant places. The Lord counsels me. The Lord instructs me. Now his commitments following his thoughts are, I will delight myself in, in holy people. I will look for a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord. I will keep my eyes on the Lord. And what's the results? Now what he, what's, what's he done? He's changed his thoughts. He's thinking about who God is and not about his temporary problem because, of course, he's running from, from Saul for maybe a decade, decade and a half, and Saul's trying to kill him. And he's already been prophesied that he's going to be king, but he's living in caves and he's living in poverty. And so here he is. He's just putting his eyes on the Lord. He's thinking higher thoughts than his circumstances, and he's making a commitment. 
to do something different. And the results of that, let's look at the results. My heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body rests secure. I am filled with joy in God's presence. I have God's eternal pleasures. Now, the truth of David's observations is, well, running after other gods causes suffering. So running after temporal things and things that aren't going to satisfy that, that doesn't cause anything but suffering. So as you find what's causing your suffering in your life, I want you to let go of it and change your focus. David's commitments, I will not sacrifice to other gods. I will not even mention their names. So where's David's God? David says, God is at my right hand. David was privileged to see the messianic future of Christ. And I believe that this is what God will allow each one of us to see also as we believe on him. So David says, God will not abandon me. God keeps his faithful ones. And God makes me know the path of life. So the application here, situations are the same. But now the psalmist David has taken dominion or authority over the ground that is within his soul. So we have three parts to our, our, body, our being. We have a spirit, a soul, and a body. And within our soul, we have three parts, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And as we purpose to think higher thoughts than ourselves, and as we purpose to obey, I will, I will uh, forgive because God says to forgive. I don't feel like it, but I'll do it because that's what God's word says to do. And eventually our emotions will follow. And now the spirit and the soul are connected and we can tell our bodies what to do. So we're no longer tossed to and fro. We're no longer following our emotions and unstable things. We're on solid ground of, of right thinking. So no longer is David going to be tolerated, tolerate being tossed around by his circumstances. Instead, he's going to be filled with the love of God. Now he can find contentment, peace, quietness, and stillness within his soul. The psalmist settles on the attributes of a merciful and loving God, and he only seeks to know and to trust in his God to save him. As he does this, his circumstances may or may not change, but he changes. So the principle here is joy is a condition of the soul, and it is separate from your circumstances. Okay, so happiness, in conclusion, happiness is temporary. It's elusive and it's based on circumstances, but true and lasting joy is as deep as eternity. And David found the secret to maintaining this lasting joy. It is in thinking higher thoughts about God and totally and completely trusting in God. So in Psalms 15, if you guys want to pl uh, play around with that one and, and look through those verses, David conveys to you how to never be shaken. In Psalms 17, the chapter after 16 uh, that we've looked at today, he pleads with God about his circumstances. And he ends the chapter with wanting to be conformed into the image of God in Psalm 17:15. And so I have taken Psalm 17:15, and that verse stood out to me and it spoke to me one morning, maybe 20 years ago. And I have made this my life verse and I often pray it. It says, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness and I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. And so when I, when I really dive into the presence of the Lord, I will tell him all the time, Lord, don't let me be satisfied until I look just like you. I want to look like you, Lord. I want to have that peace and that stability and that confidence and that strength. I want to be just like you. I want to be able to walk on top of the water, walk on all the storms of my life, 
So I want you to ask God for a life verse, one that's strong enough to carry you through the darkest nights, one that you can repeat over and over again in the quiet of your heart. So now let's say our scripture. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength and whom I trust. That's Psalms 18.2. Now, next lesson will be on double-mindedness versus being trustworthy. So we're going to work through some more skills, some more emotional skills so that we can learn how to conquer that double-mindedness, that, that, that thing that makes us feel like we're crazy. <laughs> So this is Angie Meadows, and this is The Rocker Recovery. This was uh, Lesson 8, Dishrag versus Steel. If you want the PDFs, it's on enablersjourney.com. If you want the YouTube, it's Angie G. Meadows. If you want the podcast, it's called Rocker Recovery. It's on Spotify, Podbean, um, iTunes, and Pandora. And we will see you next time.